switch. A little switch into the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. This is Armand DeMille here with Linda Vanella today. Julian Joyello is not with us. Talking about the functioning of the human mind and the way it works. But you know, somewhere inside here, we got to remember to be gentle. Today I want to talk about two aspects of human life, of all life. Fear, hatred, vengeance. They sound like such toxic things, don't they? My God, maybe it's what happens to you when you eat meat. Truth is, all people, have felt hatred at some time or other. Feelings of hatred first arise in the earliest years of life, when as a child you feel helpless or powerless in the face of someone perceived as an oppressor. Generally, these early hatreds are directed towards a parent or a sibling, but later they get extended to other people in the environment. So, although... We forbid. I saw recently somebody got into trouble because it was a boy who made a picture of a gun with his hand. You know, the, the finger gun? And they had, they, they had the whole school gather around him. You're not allowed to do that. Why do boys play with guns? Why do kids like guns? Why do people like to shoot things? Why do people like to... And she let him see her rage. But of course she wanted to get away from him because he saw her rage and she wanted to bury that inside. He was the only one who ever knew her. In fact, when he told her, family, you know, hey, she's got this moment, they all denied it. They said, no, she can't possibly do that. But true love is when you really see somebody for what they are. And just because somebody is angry and hateful, it's all right. It's all right. We begin to reject it in ourselves. When we feel hatred, we feel as if we're possessed by a demon, completely wrapped up in a feeling over which we have no control. Now, very often this is true. For example, if you drink or take fencyclidine, that's PCP, or even cocaine, you can feel hatred and anger at a level that's just beyond your normal way of feeling it. In which case you're possessed by a chemical demon. Sometimes if you get lustful, let's say you're, you're hot on the trail of somebody sexually, and you're competing with other guys or gals, you can feel hateful. You look at people and what they wear and you compare yourself. We resent anything that owns us, and the feeling of hatred can own us. This is Armand DeMille with you with The Positive Mind. How is this positive? Because there's anything that you do is real, and if it's real, 
and you acknowledge it and see it, you become more positive. It's when you hide from it that you get in trouble. Like we cannot rid ourselves of hatred unless we're willing to explore it, to feel it to its depths, to ignore it, to deny it, only leaves us to have to look out for either passive-aggressive ways or acting-out behaviors. Armand, I was wondering about when you say um, it kind of takes on a control of its own. Is that the reason why we fear it? Because it's almost like it takes us over and we feel no sense of uh, power? Is it the power that we are fearful of allowing ourselves to feel? That's an interesting question. Because Would you feel that way over a good soup? Would you feel that way over a great plate of lasagna? Because now it's so good you can't leave it. Over a dish of ice cream? No, but when certain things take us over, we fear it. Because there's something about rage. There must be an inhibition somewhere inside of us that tells us you're not allowed to feel it because if you do feel it, we're going to control it because society demands we can control it. You're not allowed to kill somebody. You're not allowed to. This society said one of the rules, no beating somebody up, no killing anybody, no hurting people. Of course, they do all the time, but, but this is the rule. The rule is no killing. So, therefore, controlling your aggression. I was watching two lions having a fight. And they were fighting with each other, really ripping at each other, two males. Um, but I noticed something very strange. Neither one was going to kill the other. They were just going to beat it into submission, which after 45 minutes of fighting... One finally did give up and walk away. But humans are afraid. They're afraid of their wrath. How many times have you been in love with somebody and you started shouting at them and shouting at them and you see yourself so unattractive? Well, we get an opportunity. So I think we're afraid of our own feelings. What happens with young people, Linda? Well, um, for instance, I think oftentimes of a young child when another child is introduced into the family or they've become frustrated with another uh, child in the schoolyard or for whatever reason, and they have this feeling of hatred, and it's very obvious and very apparent. And when they're afraid of their own rage or their mother or society has told them you can't hit it, you can't hit anyone, you can't spit at anyone, and yet you can feel that that's the only thing that they can do, whether because they can't speak. I know of a child who took a picture of a, of a sibling and scribbled all over it. Um, so these are all emotions that I think are very commonplace, and we're born with them, we see them, and... I think it's the part where what do they do with it? So there's an energy piece, and and how can we help people, all of us, understand that it's that energy that oftentimes we enjoy feeling because it makes us feel alive. It makes you do feel powerful rather than powerless. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be taking your calls today at 212-957-2729. This is Armand DeMille with Linda Vanella. We're back. The fun drive is over. Thank you. Thank you until at least next week. We are grateful to you.
for all that you did. Now, many of you ordered a flash drive. The order was so overwhelming, we had to get new flash drives to make it up. So we're sorry we're delayed. We never are. It's coming your way within a week. Within one week. I'll send you a little bonus in the package, too. So the flash drive which we had, which has to do with... um, with the the flash drive that we put together, which is the 12 lessons in psychology, will be sent out. And if you still want to make the donation to BAI, we will still have a couple will be available after that. For that, you can call my office, 212-757-4488. If you don't get a fulfillment within a week, call us, and we will make sure you're getting what's yours. Right now, it's 212 957 2729, we're taking your calls. Now, very often people deny their hatred. Others even go so far as to deny to themselves the existence or even the possibility of any feelings of hatred. When a feeling of hatred is incompatible with some kind of self-image, we push it as far into our unconscious mind as possible, only to have it erupt in violence. Oops, we got a little technical thing we got to do. I'm going to be right back with you, my friends. Stay with me. know how dependent you are. Good old Julian. 212-957-2729. Where does hatred and vengeance play a role in your romantic relationships? That's a question. I'd like to hear from you about that. In certain situations where hatred is the dominant emotion, it makes sense for us to speak of a hateful self. To speak of hating as a state of being. When the feeling goes on and on. In this case, when we feel ourselves as hating, the hateful self becomes intolerant of everything. Once you step up to that place, it becomes intolerant. The self can be so possessed by feelings of hatred, it's like a snarling caged dog ready to bite. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt so filled with it that you just can't escape it? Even the hand that feeds it in these moments, hatred can be so indiscriminate, so mean, that you can find yourself tuning against even those people who are loving you. The hateful self can appear in various guises or expressions. Often in various situations, some hateful people, for example, can get so jealous that they may wish for the death or maiming of those they perceive as the source of their jealousy. Others may develop a need to control everyone and everything around them. They become totally intolerant of everyone else's desires and wishes, especially when they conflict with one's own desires and wishes. 
Unlike the person with a normal wish to have some control over her life, control freaks have a hateful self that's released whenever something occurs that goes beyond what they can control or accept. You know, and if you're a control freak, if you're somebody who wants to have everything under control and something is not working, that's what happens. Aman, can I ask you a question about that? Um, is that would that be relevant when we're speaking about um, seniors, aged people with sometimes suffering with dementia, and they go at their caregivers? You know, they're biting the hand that feeds them, and they have this agitation. Would that be applicable in that How sense? How interesting. What an interesting thought. What an interesting thought that if you're going to be a caregiver to someone, do you become immune to their bitterness? It's kind of an interesting thing to see caregivers with uh, the people they service. You wonder about the hatred that's going on between the caregiver and the other person as well. How do you feel about somebody who uh, treats you that way? How do you feel about that? Hmm. That's a very interesting question because the more I observe it, the more wrong it seems. Hold on one second. I got Barry on the line. Two and two. Barry on the line. Let's see. I got Barry right now. Hi there, Barry. Hi, Armand. Uh, interesting conversation, and it brought up um, some experience I have in my life that I've been dealing with for the last 10 years. My brother, my only brother was killed in 9-11, and his family went their way. He was married, and um, his family used, used his hatred as a, as a means of self-protection from his birth family. Who do they uh, hate? Who do they well, focus the hatred at? Well, they, they never communicated any, anything between us as far as any dynamics between 9-11. They're raising his children, and I think they're using uh, negative aspects of, of they're, they're feeding the children uh, lies to self-protect them. What does that um, do to you? What does it do to you personally? Oh, it, it, it destroys me in a lot of ways because it's a sad thing that the only connection I have with my brother with his family and now they're, they're uh, they ostracized me and uh, I have no way of, of getting comments you know wait, wait 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 I don't understand you have to kind of stand still in one area because I know you're on a cell phone yeah. and you, your Sorry. voice is kind of clicking in and out Sorry. okay when your family your brother's family ostracizes you I don't understand why they do that I think they're doing it for self-protection because they had a windfall profit and they never wanted to discuss anything to 9-11. And it's a distinct disparity between the two. Okay, again, again, your voice is going in and out. I'm sorry. Uh, is it, can you hear me now? Of course. So you were on... I, I think they're using it as a protection of themselves because they want to be able to... Um, Bring your children up, my brother's children up, the way they want to, and not discuss anything to do with with the uh, dynamics of, not, of the incident. With the, and with you the, think there was some money involved in this as well? Do you think yeah, I think, I think money is a big factor, absolutely. Yeah. So how could you heal this? You know, the only I've tried for the last 10 years to 
to um, hang out the Olive Branch and kind of like, you know, make it a means of communication, but it always goes back to some kind of problem and they don't, they back off. I think they're fearful that I'll talk to the children and express certain things that they won't want me to. So in their self-protection, they, they uh, say things about me being the brother that alienates me from his children. I'm so sorry to hear that. So let me ask you, what, what would the, uh, what's your relationship with the children at this point? I have none. They moved away and I have, I have none. Yeah, none at all. So you don't even talk to them at all. No, no. All right. What was your feeling about your brother's death? My brother was my best friend. He was uh, something I feel every day. He, the loss is profound. Wow. How did you hear about it? Well, my brother and I were very close. We we talked all the time on the phone, and um, on nine eleven, he, uh, you know, I heard on the phone that that uh, something happened, and ultimately he was in the first building that was hit. And you're feeling in your heart that day? I knew, I knew, I knew, you know, we were not, I was not sure as to what floor he was on, so I, but I knew at the end of the day, absolutely. At this moment, do you carry that pain, that, that sword through your heart? Absolutely. Yeah. So let's go back to what we're talking about. We're talking about your protection of your own heart from this enormous loss that you suffered. Enormous. You lost yeah. your best friend. And I could also tell that you weren't that close to your father. My father and I um, got closer after the loss. But after the loss. But before then... Your brother, in a way, substituted for them some of that energy that you wished you had from your father as well. Well, more than likely, there's a yeah. ten year difference between me and my brother. I was, I was a ten, I'm ten years older than that, so uh, I was like a big, I was like a parent. You were like him. a parent to him. Sure. Yeah. What a beautiful thing. Well, I'm so sorry for your loss. Number one. Number two, the thing with his family and the way that they're handling it is a way of you not handling your own grief. Because the truth of it is, when you let it go, it's going to come back to you. And I know it's hard to believe it. But instead of trying, you've tried it every way you can. When you let it go, when you let them say, when you say to yourself, this is what they got to do, then those kids are going to search you out. Yeah, I think my only power now is just letting it happen the way it's going to happen and not trying to communicate and, you know, there's no, there's no sense. I can't make them see things any different, any, any other way than they do. Barry, you're a very conscious man and consciousness is beautiful. Being able to have that, having that awareness, it's something that you've worked on yourself. I can tell you've done a lot of work on yourself. A beautiful thing, you know? Yeah, well, it goes back to, you know, if someone doesn't acknowledge they have a problem, you're never going to get through to them. So that's the way I view, view this, this, this situation. Nice to speak with you, and thank you for calling in. Thank, thank you for sharing. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Sure, bye-bye. 212-957-2729. It is such a heartbreak to hear that. That shock, that suddenness. 
212-957-2729. We're talking about hatred as a feeling. See, the, the hateful self can appear in various guises or expressions in various situations. Some hateful people, for example, can get so jealous that they may wish for the death or maiming. Others may develop a need to control everybody. Since hatred is all-consuming, it's accompanied by high-level tension that aches in all our muscles. People who hate love, there are people who actually hate love itself. It's a vulnerable place. Imagine that. We wish to relax, but we cannot. We wish to do the unstring of tension, but we're tied up in knots. People who are hateful usually love massage. They say, get the knots out of me. They're saying K-N-O-T, but they're really saying N-O-T. Get those knots out of me. Get those things outside of me. Get all that tension that I built in outside of me. We want to give it up. We wish we could surrender, and some of us do just that. To avoid our hatred, we surrender to everyone and anything. We surrender our will. Then you've gone just a little too far to escape it, because at that point, the hate gets you. Now, what is the answer to this? Is answer is the answer to surrender? Is the answer to say, uh, I won't feel it? No, the answer is to acknowledge it. <clears throat> Far too often I see therapists who are trying to talk people out of it, saying to them, no, this is not what you should be doing. Don't do that way. Hatred is no good. Hatred goes back to your family. Well, if you've got the feeling, show me the feeling. Show it to me. Show me the hatred. Show me the depth of it. Shout in front of me. Tell me what, what bothers you. Tell me what you can't stand. Surrender can become an antidote to hatred by continuously surrender. People, Some people become the, the perpetual dish rag. They keep themselves from ever touching their hateful self. They're disguised as one who is agreeable and cooperative. But did you ever meet somebody who gives all the time and then the one time they feel crossed and nobody appreciated them, they become raging. A lot of, a lot of people who are givers become rageful. Because underneath that giving is this rage. And although this avoidance can convince a person that he has no hateful self, there are always signs of this self-control, a sign of controlling that hateful self. So everything is locked in the closet for people. People keep themselves really privately disliking. Now, what happens is then gossip appears. Now, how do you do a, um, how do you express hatred if you're going to be so alone and isolated? Well, people get together. Prejudice is about denial of your own anger. Um, gossip tearing people down, doing things that are unkindly, unnice, unpleasant, speaking badly about people. All of that gets to you. Would you say that um, hatred is synonymous with anger? And if not, how is it different? Uh, okay, so anger is a feeling that is a reaction to something that offends. Hatred is an accumulation. 
of that, that which you've felt for a long, long time that's been denied. Do you know how many people, Linda, I know who hate their mates? Much more men who hate their wives than wives who hate their husbands. Because they kind of make a deal about the husband. You know, the husband is this kind of a guy, that's it. He's dead to me. But men who have listened to their wives, who have told them what's wrong with them over and over again, and they've given up trying to fight back, so they've berated in front of their children, I can't tell you the number of men that I have met who sit with me and say, I hate her. Now, the automatic thing you would imagine is the therapist says, well, we got to undo that, get rid of the hatred, or you got to get out of the relationship. No, there's something so special in a person being able to express that feeling. It actually reduces it by them doing it. The other question I had when um, you're saying that when how hatred, uh, when it owns us and we relinquish that control we also lose our ability to love. But would it be somewhat of a protection if I continuously hate my mate, then I don't have to worry about loving because... Whatever loving is, Linda, because now we have to define what loving is. Let's say stay attached is the issue. You know, that may be what it's about. Listen, we've got to take a short break. Uh, When we come back, we'll do station identification. Uh, this is Armand DeMille, WBAI 99.5 FM in New York. When we come back, we'll take your calls at 212-957-2729. We'll continue this discussion joyously. Back on air with you, my friends. And as I said, if you wanted to find out about your fund drive, you call my office, 212-757-4488. But the number here to be online with us today in this discussion it's 212-957-2729, Julian's in California. Hey there, friends. This is Armand DeMille with you with The Positive Mind. Help us with our recovery. Go to WBAI.org and help us by joining the buddy system. The more people we have on a recurrent basis giving money to the station, the less we'll have to have fun drives. Help us cut down on those and... We'll do what we can for you. WBAI.org. Buddy. Make a difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
You hurt your back and you're over 80 in, on Tuesday, and you're not able to be very mobile, are you? Not as, not, nowhere near what I had been. Well, you know, doesn't it make sense? Imagine you were a lion, and you were in the jungle and you got hurt. Now, everything is coming by that could possibly eat you up. Yeah. Right? So what yeah. do you do? You rage. You, yeah. You, you rage it now. Are you raging at anybody in particular? Well, um... Uh, my spouse. Good. She deserves it. <laughs> she deserves it? She deserves it. Absolutely. What are you angry about? Um, well, uh, actually, when, I get, when, I, when I'm angry at her, I, I'm angry at areas of what I see. I see dysfunction and a lot of blaming and a lot of negativity. She blames you a lot. Oh, true. I mean, we—you know—it's a mutual thing. But but this is what I'm saying to you. I'm saying, of course, you hate her. She's 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 putting you down. She's you finding know, blame uh, with you. All that stuff. Now, I'm not justifying your anger. I'm not saying you're right to be this way. But of course, you do, as do so many husbands. Yeah, and she says that if I hadn't gone to X Y Z that night, I wouldn't have hurt myself. That's right. It happens to be true, but so what? But how do we know? I felt like saying, I don't dare say this because I don't want to set her off. Now, that's the question here. You don't want to set her off. What is the danger if you set her off? Did she explode? Yeah, uh, the danger really is that uh, her being set off would set me off, and we could hit a point where uh, we could become physically harmful to each other. Yeah, slap each other around. Um it could happen. I mean, you know. You happens. better do it now while you're off you while you're on your back, so she can get an advantage. Well, uh, I'm thinking about that. Uh, I might use my feet also. I hear. I hear. Now, how old is your? Uh, Seventy-nine. She's seventy-nine. Now, why do you stay with this lady? Why didn't you dump her a while back? You're a nice-looking guy, even though you're on your back. Well, um, I think we've had a mutual uh, strong need. For uh, someone, anyone, uh, dependency, you could call it. And um, also, more recently, when I've done work on myself in the, uh, you know, in the twelve steps, uh, I, I uncovered a, a deep, very deep. This happened about a year or two ago. A very deep love for her yeah. that I didn't know I was capable of. Yeah, I know. I could hear that. Yes, it's underneath there. Unfortunately, you're stuck. 
Yeah. Unfortunately, you hate her and you love her. Yeah. And you can't live without her, and she's intolerable at times. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, like, um, Armand, I, the pain scares me. Which pain? The, 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 we'll, we'll talk about the pain in the back for a okay, while that's as, opposed, as opposed to the pain in the neck. Yeah. But the pain in the back, the pain that you have in your back scares you. It scares me. Yes. I, I don't I don't want to go to a doctor. I don't want to, I, you know, I've been to a chiropractor and he made it worse. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to go to a doctor. What scares you is that you're going to be immobile. What scares you is that you're going to be a little less powerful, right? What scares yeah, you oh, is you're not going to be able to get around. Me. I, I'm, I've been a control freak. Uh, another reason I stayed with her is because she let me control her for so many years. You imagine. You imagine that to be true. Guess who was doing the controlling? Um, it's the, she's got the strings on the puppet. Yeah. You see yeah, I, mean? I know that. I mean, I know that now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, she'll come up with something like, um, oh, we should, uh, we should tell so-and-so such and such. Why don't you go on the phone and do it? <laughs> and then I get mad as hell. Of course. I don't want to tell so-and-so such and such. That's not, you know, that's not my way of thinking. I'd rather wait a day or two and see you know, how things... You know, it's really nice, Michael. It's really nice to hear a man of 80 years old who's feeling not so hot, who's got a woman who's near his age, and they have a love relationship that's kind of a, a contract. If that's this kind of mutuality, it's a beautiful thing. Now, it's a beautiful thing, and of course it's a hateful thing, too, because you bury so much stuff. And probably what's wrong with your back is the amount of stuff that you'd buried. Mm. You're afraid of yourself, therefore mm. you're afraid to bark, because you're afraid you're going to become violent. I just don't believe it. Mm. I don't believe the violence is what's stopping you. I think what's stopping you is that you have a lifelong career of avoiding expression of your own anger. Mm. Well, the few times that she's seen it, it, it terrified her. And therefore, what happened? Uh, therefore, uh, I... Did she have you arrested? No, but uh, it went the other way once, where she was coming at me, and I couldn't, you know, like I, I couldn't stop her. And uh, I told her, "Look, I'm going to, I'm going to make that call if you don't stop." And anyway, they knew they knew where I was calling from before I even asked, said anything, and they came over and told her, "You can't do what you're doing." Yeah, lovely man, lovely mm -hmm. man. I wish you luck. Now, what are you going to do about this back of yours? Well, that's a good question. Are you crawling uh, around or, or doing what? Or are you laying flat? Oh, I'm 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 mobile. I'm, I'm I can I can walk today. Especially I could, I've been able to walk since since it happened. I've been able to walk sometimes with a lot of pain, but uh, today I'm I'm, I'm walking uh, without without pain. That's um, uh, a big deal. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, now one last thing before I let you go, Michael. What's your wife's name? Zelda. Zelda, would you do me a favor? Since there are recordings available, right, of this program, and they're available somewhere on the, uh, by going to the website, the positive mind, not the website, you could actually go to BAI.org. Would you just take a minute here for the rest of us and say something tender? And something beautiful to Zelda about all the years. We'll get all the bad stuff out later. 
But if you had to profess your love to her right now across the airwaves to this lady who's hung around intolerable you for so long, would you do that now? Address yeah, her directly. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, just, just repeat to this lady who what? Tell Zelda what you love about her. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right now. All right. Uh, Zelda, um, I love you very deeply. I love your smile. I love how you care for me and for our grandchildren. I love your your interest in personal growth. Uh, my God, I love your cooking, how you've kept me alive with my special foods. Uh, but most of all, what I love about you is is the feeling that I get of connect connectedness and how how uh, reassuring it is to have you in my life, uh, to know that you're there and that you care. And regardless of what you and I may say to each other, beneath it all, I believe anyway, that there's, there is some kind of a love that will always be there. Stay there. I have a concern, Armand. Yeah, hold on. Don't do the concern yet. Just stay there just a minute. That was a little perfect piece for the mm. universe just then. Thank you. Mm. What's your concern? That I will never hear the end of this, that I went public. Yeah, so don't tell her. Hmm. Mm. We have one relative who, who does listen. Who does listen? Uh, so then listen. We're going to have Zelda call me. Say, Armand wants to hear from you. You're a beautiful guy. Thank you so much for calling in, Michael. You're welcome. Thank you, Armand. Sure. Bye. Bye. 212-957-2729. I get so touched. I mean, I really... I was weeping. Were you weeping? Yeah. 212-957-2729. As we said, our fun drive is over, and we are sending out the uh, flash drives. Those of you who wanted them, who we said there were no more available, we made a few more available for the station. 212-957-2729. Hold on a second. Hi there, you're on the air. Yes, hello, I'm on. My name is Kelly, and I've spoken to you before. Kelly, uh, more than one. your voice, yes. Yeah, um... Uh, I have bipolar disorder. Yes. And uh, um, I live alone. I'm single. I've never married. Um, I'm I'm 59 years old, and uh, uh, I I've thought a great deal uh, about uh, your topic sure. and how it applies to my feelings well, uh, toward know, my mother. Well, let's just talk about even bipolar disorder. Bipolar mm -hmm. disorder is exactly that. It's swinging between the poles of hatred. You know, I mean, sure. I mean, could you describe it to me the way you experience it, so people could learn? Well, uh, you know, I, I mean, I I used to go to a Bible uh, study group, and there was a um, a woman in the group who was a nurse, and her her understanding of bipolar disorder was that they were just like totally extreme uh, versions of all the emotions that most people feel, that they're just really, really extreme, 
And uh, and that's actually a pretty good assessment. She's not bipolar, but uh, she's a nurse. And that sounds really accurate because, I mean, I have had fury. I have had, you know, I've had, like, uh, every uh, negative emotion uh, to, like, the nth degree, you know. And I'm, you know, I've had so many unbelievably unpleasant experiences in my life and just unbelievable. Most people have no clue to talk to me today because, you know, I... I'm a very good actor, you know. In fact, I was formally trained as an actor early on in my young life, and I was a hand, and I loved to go on stage in front of people and audiences and do stuff. And I had a skill; I had a great skill with it. And and I and I guess I honed that skill, um, you know, under years of uh, you know my mother's serious oppression. Um, I mean, I decided when I was about maybe 13 or 14 that I would probably never marry because I would never want to have anything close to the kind of experience that I had uh, with my mother growing up with another woman. I would right, never, now, it would never occur to me to like, replace her with a contemporary version of uh, but you someone did, my Kelly, age. But Kelly, you did have relationships, didn't you? Oh, yeah. No, I've had several. I mean, I have friendships uh, with women, uh, but they're friendships. What about lovers? I've never had a, I mean, I, a there romantic are some women that I've had relations with that I keep in touch with, and they're friendly. But I don't have anybody right now that, you know, and it's been a long time, so and I'm medicated, like? and so like, I have like? sexual issues with medication. Okay, of course you do, uh, but that doesn't that, seem so. to be the most huh? important thing. What What would you like? What would you like what? from a woman now in your life? What would I like? Yeah, give me a, give me a uh, dream. Give you me know, idea. actually, um, you know, I, I, I never had uh, very much affection growing up. You know, I, I had very little soft touch. You know, smacked around a lot and yelled at and berated. And, um, uh, you know, I, I would really like to be held. I haven't held anybody really in a very, very long time. Um, and I would like affection, but it always seemed in my life that you had to pay for affection. I don't mean prostitution. I mean just, you know, you had to do all kinds of, you had to like turn into a pretzel to get a hug or, or a, a pleasant, happy, you know, experience with someone. You know, you had to pay for it in some way, and I always felt like I couldn't afford it. I could never, I could never come up with enough literal cash and emotional cash to pay for the affection that I wanted mm -hmm. in my life. And, and I, I never, you know, I had a cat for uh, a while. I had several cats, but I'm kind of catted out. I don't want any more cats. Well, Kelly, I think uh, the difference you're saying is the following: your perception of love comes from a place where you know that you are an irritant, you understand? You know you mm -hmm. have sharp edges. Because oh, yeah, you certainly. have sharp edges, you believe mm -hmm. nobody can ever see past those sharp edges to see you for who you are. Now, I well, guess... Well, not even that. It's more like worthiness. I just don't feel worthy. Of course. I have so many issues and problems. I can't imagine a well-adjusted human wanting to have an intimate relationship with me. What if they weren't? I've well had adjusted? relationships with uh, mentally ill women that I've met through different circumstances, mm -hmm. and those are horrible. Those are like unbelievably horrible experiences. Well, let's talk about what mentally ill is, as opposed to somebody who's as dependent as you are, who wants to be stroked, who wants to be cared for. You know, there's somebody out there. They don't have to be mentally ill in that classic kind of way. There are people out there, and I understand what you want. You want what a, what a good dog would get. 
pet me. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds actually me. pretty good, even though I'm more of a cat person. But you're yeah, right. I'd, pet me. I'd, I would like to be petted and stroked. And, uh, you know, I like to be held without, okay. without feeling like I'm exacted some kind of cost for it. Okay, that, now slow down a second. Slow down a second, Kelly, if you would. Picture yourself as a golden retriever. Mm. You know okay. the dog I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what a golden retriever is, yeah. Okay, picture that. And picture yourself sitting at the lap of somebody and somebody just gently stroking your hair. Can mm. you picture yourself getting that? Mm, no. Stay in it. No. Stay in no, stay I in can't, it. no. Okay, stay in it. Do you see what stops you from getting it? What stops you is this irritant energy inside of you that fights against being still. So here's what I'm going to suggest. I'm going to suggest you learn about stillness. you got to learn about stillness. Now, I know you've done a lot of good things to help yourself in your life. Have you ever done any yoga? I did, yeah. Actually, many years ago, I did the yoga. It was very successful it. for you, wasn't it, back then? Uh, well, uh, I, I, I was you know, hurting for money, and I, and I felt like I couldn't afford to, uh, to do it anymore financially. But I did, I did get some uh, benefit from it, I do recall. I, I suggest that that's a direction for you because it doesn't have to cost you money to do yoga. Mm. I suggest yeah. it's a direction because here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the eternal sunshine of the quiet mind. I'm looking for the part of you that feels like an irritant to people. And that's what you've come up with. You see, you when you're bipolar, you feel like you've got a sharp edge and nobody could love you. But the mm, truth is yeah. there are people out there who would, number one, love you with your bipolarity, with your sharp edges, and there's also ways that you could take your sharp edges down. Mm. You know I'm going to get hundreds of phone calls from people who say, well, I love to meet them. I mean, I, you know, I have, I'm seriously medicated. Uh-huh. You know, I'm very seriously medicated. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have deficits from the medication sure. that I deal with, and even sure. intellectual ones even. And sure, intellectually, physically, sexually, all of these things don't work, and there are people out there who just want to be loved the way you do. Yeah, yeah. I know it's hard to believe, but it's there. Now, if you tell me she's got to look like a the model in a magazine and she's got to be 18 years old then we got trouble no no no, no that no i i don't really have uh those those kind of uh desires or wants i, I you know i don't want a model i, I don't you know i you just I want think somebody people like you. that have their own issues and i don't want people like that in my life so when you I don't, be, I don't like people that are so seriously uh, uh you know appearance driven that that they marginalize everything else for their appearances i, I those people i don't really want to deal with so I wouldn't even. I don't even go after. Uh, I'm not even interested in women like that. Okay, so let me ask you um, something. You know, if there was a I, person I out there, I think they're shallow often, and they're so Kelly, caught up in Kelly, the Kelly, Kelly. Yeah. If there was somebody out there to care for you, what would you say to them right now? Whoever you are, uh, um, whoever you are, please find me. Oh, uh, um. Oh man, it's so hard. I, I know, you know it. Is. I, I know it is. It's so hard. I, you know, I'm so used to controlling my own things in my own life. I can't imagine see what sharing. it's like. I set up my whole life. Uh, see what it's like right now. Out. Kelly, you got one minute. Let's try it. Just send it out to the ethers. Okay. Go uh, for it. Uh, 
I wish you could love me as I am and not as you would want me to be. Uh, I I would like to be loved. I would like to be held. It's uh, I would like it. Um, I, I, you know, I'm sad and lonely a lot, and I could use love. I could use it. I, you know, I, I would be grateful. Beautiful. Very, you know, so hard. I haven't had any of it my whole life, and it's hard. Um, I, I would, I would like to have love. I would like it. Kelly, I want to thank you very much. The ethers are an interesting place, especially the radio ethers. They bring you stuff. Your voice has gone out. You're a beautiful man. I know this much. You get mine. You get my caring. You know? Thank you, Armand. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Seven two seven two nine. Um, got time for one more, huh? Fantessa by the Modern Jazz Quartet. Just, just stuff these people. How could you miss that? Hey, say hello to Maria. Uh, lower my phone. Oh, you're ready. Yes, yes. Hello? Maria I want to talk about jealousy. Talk about it. It kills you, doesn't it? No, not at all. Um, I, I just want to give you two examples. Uh, when I was very young, I have a boyfriend that um, I was very jealous about. And I thought I am jealous, but then I met uh, by my husband that I didn't think that I would marry him, but I never have been jealous for a long, long time. And therefore? Therefore, it's not me. <laughs> it's not you? Who not me, because uh, it comes from outside. There's someone who's jealous of you? No, it's, uh, you're jealous because there is... Oh, sorry. Is that a bird or is that a... That's my bird. I have to go in a different place. Um, you are jealous because of the situation that the person creates. <laughs> it's a strange sound to have you around you all the time. <laughs> I know. That's my bird. You have one bird? I have only one bird, but <laughs> when I walk out, they, he screams. Because he gets jealous. He wants me all the time. He wants you all the time. What's it like to be someone, Marie, that someone wants all the time? I know. I'm taking care of bird that my son used to have. Anyway. Uh, he, he didn't have a baby. Therefore, he pushed the bird into my apartment, and I have him. It's a cockatoo. I understand. <laughs> it, is, it is a cockatoo. I can tell you. Uh, but, but it's not... Um, 
we can't really talk because the sound of the earth is going our way. Oh, I'm sorry. But Another take, time we'll take, do this. think about that a person thinks that she's jealous, but then the situation causes the jealousy, and the same person can be in different situation with different person, and it's never jealous. Got you. Thank you very much, Maria. Okay. Love you. Call me back another time without the cockatoo. <laughs> bye bye. Oh my gosh, Almighty! Oh my gosh, I thought at first it was a baby, but not not anymore. We've got to get going, of course, because uh, some of us get off on air. You know, we get off on just about the right time we're supposed to. We stretch just a little bit. Here we go, my friends. Be back with you tomorrow at 1 p.m. with Julian Joyello here as well. But Linda, you did a fabulous job. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Dance me to your beauty with a burning violin. Dance me through the panic till I'm gathered safely in. Lift me like an olive branch and be my homeward dove. Dance me to the end of love. Attention, WBAI's listener sponsors. If you had an issue dealing with premiums, call the phone line 347-274-8144. That's 347-274-8144. You can also send an email to premiums at wbai.org. That's premiums with an S at the end at WBAI.org. An operator will answer your call or reply back to your email Monday through Friday between the hours of 9 a.m. until 6 p.m. Thank you for your continued support to WBAI New York Pacifica Radio. Things of which I'm most proud it really has to be, um, would be um, Nelson Mandela coming here uh, to, to New York and what we were able to do, this city, when I was mayor, in helping to end apartheid. A special event honoring former mayor David Dinkins for his public service will take place on Thursday, April 3rd at 6 p.m. The First Lady, Cherry Ann McRae, Randy Levine, Harry Belafonte, and other luminaries will pay tribute. That's April 3rd, 6 p.m., at the New York Society for Ethical Culture. For ticket information, go to nysec.org. All right, and the previous program was The Positive Mind with Armand DeMille. You can listen to that program Monday, uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. here on WBAI. Coming up next is the Artsy Fartsy Show. And once again, this is all heard here on WBAI New York.